Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. New Sunday night, March Madness. Tim Unglesby, Chris Wynn with you here on E-Wave Sports. And we're going to jump right into this college basketball slate, Chris. Uh, just a quick recaps here as we move into this side of the bracket, which will represent part of the Sweet 16. How about the, the upset early in the morning? Number eight, Loyola Chicago knocks out the number one seed, Illinois, in a uh, game where this is the worst I've seen Illinois look all year. And Loyola Chicago, with a, they're, they're approaching 30 wins quickly here. 30 wins quickly here. Oh, there's no question about it. But anytime you see an Illini team getting held to 58 points, Tim, that is a surprise, okay? That is, you know, we're talking about one of the lowest scoring games Illinois had all season long. And even though, you know, even though Cochran has for 21-9, you just didn't get what you expect out of uh, Desumu. And, uh, you know, Frazier had a rough night. Frazier was like one for 10 for the field. So that defense that Loyola Chicago hangs their hat on was a major, major difference in this one. So you got a uh, number eight seed moving on. And, and look, this is a, this is dangerous. I'm telling you, I mean, they get it. They get being, uh, you know, look, they're better than, than, you know, Florida Gulf Coast was, you know, a few years back when they made their run. But, this is not a team that you want to go up against, particularly the way they're playing right now on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. They knock out G-Tech in round one. They knock out, they knock out the Illini in round two. So what awaits them in the Sweet 16? It's the Pac-12 champion, Oregon State Beavers, Chris, who beat number five, Tennessee. And then today, number four, Oklahoma State. Double-digit wins in both those games. So you have an 8-12 matchup next Saturday in one of your Sweet 16 games, Loyola Chicago against Oregon State. Sounds like we probably lost Chris on that one. That That is uh, interesting, interesting basketball. And if you saw the, the nightcap game, Oregon State, where, where was this team, you know, when you talked about their struggles in the early in the year and no notice of them and a lot of a lot of experts and I use that term very loosely wanted to throw out the the stigma of in the Pac-12 tournament about how Oregon State came out of nowhere you know this is right there on the verge of a 20-win team they're 19 and 12 they're a 20-win team they come out and I think in round one they just blasted and overrated Rick Barnes Tennessee squad Right. This was more of a, a big win for me to see in in an Oklahoma State team that had had a good good run in the Big Twelve, twenty one win team, a, a complete superstar in Cade Cunningham there in the backcourt for the Cowboys, and to just be taken apart in that first half by Oregon State as they continue their trek. This is a crazy crazy matchup. How many people out there have an eight twelve Loyola Chicago? Oregon State matchup in the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, I want to know how many people have that matchup on their on the, in their printed out bracket. Who wrote 8-12 Loyola Chicago Oregon State as part of that Sweet 16? I don't know if anybody can say that they did. Come on now, Tim. Nobody did that. I'm back. Now. <laughs> exactly. Had a little, right? uh, we had a little Wi-Fi issue there, so sorry about that, but. Yeah, nobody, nobody really saw that coming. So, <laughs> uh, What do you think of Oregon State this week so far? Jeez, man, they're just pounding teams. I got to say, I'm pretty impressed because, yes, they're in the Pac-12. But let's be straight about it. We didn't, and nobody, even you know, hardcore college basketball fans outside of Corvallis aren't exactly wired in on Beaver basketball, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I was talking to Tommy yesterday about this. Tim, and that, you know, I think about Oregon State, what do you think about? Well, you think about Michelle Obama's brother, you know, when he coached there, and I think about Gary Payton. That's what I think about when I think about, uh, you know, Oregon State basketball. So I'm uh, pretty impressed with uh, uh, what what their coach, uh, coach uh, Hinkle and these guys have been able to do, and uh, they're, they're rolling right along. I, w- I mean, I got I to admit, I was absolutely all over Oklahoma State in this game. I thought for sure – that Cunningham and company were going to come to play, and, and we're going to we're going to handle our business. Didn't 
didn't work out that way, obviously. And, uh, you know, foul trouble, particularly in the first half, kind of, you know, kind of hurt Oklahoma State big time there. But uh, you got to give them credit. You got to give Oklahoma, Oregon State credit. They're moving on. And uh, we'll see exactly uh, what they're able to do as we uh, go into the round of 16. In the bottom of that bracket, number two, Houston comes from behind, survives number 10, Rutgers, 63-60 tonight, Chris. And I know a lot of people, including yourself, liked Rutgers in this game. And Houston, I thought, was dead in the water. They're late in the second half. They had one last rush there, and they are able to get the W to, to move on through. And, you, you know, you talk about when you go into the tournament, the NCAA tournament, teams that are, are playing their best basketball, right, and, and how they survive potential bumps in the road. And I know when you looked at the two seeds, everybody said Houston made probably was the worst two seed. But this is a 26-win team in the in the regular season. And, yeah, I know they play in the AAC. I get it. But they still won 26 basketball games, Chris. They get through round one. They get through round two. Could this be the type of situation where it just kind of propels them now here on out? This was their bump in the road, right? I think so because even though they're a number two seed – I think a lot of people around around the country think of them as a sleeper almost. You know, they don't even think about them in, with the respect factor that, say, for example, an Ohio State got, right? You know, a Buckeyes team where, you know, there's some people that, you know, Ohio State penciled in to win the national championship. And I don't think Houston gets that respect. I think it is because of the AAC, Tim. You know, I mean, look, when you're playing against the likes of, you know, UCF and, you know, Tulane and some of these other schools, I mean, it's not – you're not going to get uh, – you're not going to get uh, flashing up there on the radar all that much. You know, there's – it's basically we're talking about, uh, you know, ever since Cincinnati left that conference. So um, I, I was uh, but I was surprised by this outcome. I thought Rutgers, even though they were even though they were a 10 seed, I, I, I thought they were a super live uh, squad in this matchup. And, and it was like it went right down to the wire. Uh, it was it was a textbook example of, you know, you had these single digit spreads in these games in a lot of these games, even though you're featured, they were featuring double digit seeds against low single digit seeds. There were still, uh, you know, close games, and this one played out exactly the same way as uh, as a lot of people expected, right down to the wire. Quentin Grimes, 22 points for the Cougars in the win. They get next, they get, what is it, next Saturday night, Chris, late game. They get the 11 seed, Syracuse, Orange. Bayheim does it again. He's, he's now two rounds in a row. So they, they were a team that barely got in, right, according to everybody. They crushed San Diego State in round one. And they survive here against Bobby Huggins in West Virginia in round two. So you have an 11 seed in the Syracuse Orange against a two seed in Houston. What are your thoughts on how Syracuse played today, Chris, and this matchup moving forward? Yeah, kind of strange, right, how this game played out because Syracuse gets out to a lead. And they have a comfortable lead pretty much throughout most of the game. And then all of a sudden, here come the Mountaineers, you know, in the second half. And then it was kind of like a back-and-forth affair uh, with even West Virginia taking the lead late in the second half. And, uh, I mean, you had, look, you had two legendary coaches here in Bayheim and, uh, and Bobby Huggins, who have been here before in these, in these situations. And, uh, and it just so happens to be the coach's son, you know, that, uh, that's kind of propelled this team for the last two games. And, and uh, Syracuse is able to score when they need to score. I mean, I, I didn't think they were able – look, I didn't think when, I, when, I, when the Orange came into this tournament they were going to be a team that was going to be averaging in the 70s in scoring. I just didn't think – I thought they were going to be down, you know – uh, it was going to. We saw two of those games yesterday that were in the fifties, right? Where it was like it was like pulling teeth for somebody to make a bucket. And I kind of thought Syracuse going in this tournament was going to be kind of like that. Not really the case. And uh, today that definitely wasn't the case, and ends up uh, you know being a game you know in the mid mid one forties. And uh, and Syracuse gets the victory. I mean they they came out and uh, and, uh, and and for all intents and purposes pulled another upset. And uh, it's kind of funny too because my. Uh, a buddy of mine, Syracuse grad, you know, hardcore orange through and through. And, uh, but he, unfortunately for him, Tim, he's not in a part of the country where you can put uh, down sports wagering. So I'm getting the phone calls, you know, and I'm getting the, uh, all right, see when you got to app it up for me. And uh, essentially what he's done the last three nights is just the old letter ride, the old Syracuse letter ride. And they're pulling through for him. And uh, Jim Beheim and company, they're going on to the Sweet 16, and uh, how much farther can they go? I don't know. I don't know about too much further, but it's been a solid story for all those fans up there in upstate New York uh, for this team that, you know, a lot of people thought coming into the tournament, Tim, right, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but they were kind of like uh, had no business being in the tournament. They were like yeah. one of those teams that were, you know, it was like, ah, they, they probably shouldn't even be here. But, you know, they uh, they end up getting uh, the, the opportunity and uh, it's paid off for them so far. And they're they're still dancing with 16 left. You know, most of the year, Gonzaga, the overall number one team in the country. But Baylor had a nice say about that for most of the way, a 24-win team. And they hit bumps in the road late in the year, right, Chris? They, they end up with their first loss. Then then in the tournament, they get bounced early in the Big 12 tournament. So when you looked at this, the number one seeds coming in, I think a lot of people were, were uh, a little down on Baylor. Well, all they've done in the first two rounds is just completely eliminate their opponent early. Hartford gone, and then today, a, a what I would say, a uh, impressive double-digit victory over Wisconsin, and they're moving on into the Sweet 16, number one Baylor. Yeah, you got that. You mentioned it, of course, Tim. That that second COVID nineteen pause, and that yeah. seemed to kind of make Baylor, you know, uh, one of those teams that that could be vulnerable back in March. And uh, and we were talking about a team that defensively. Uh, it, could have, it was being compared to the all-time best teams in college basketball from a defensive standpoint. I mean, you're talking about big ball-hawking type of squad. And uh, so that's why there was so much Final Four talk, and rightfully so, regarding this team. But, uh, you know, it was it was Mitchell. You know, it was the likes of Mitchell and uh, and Butler going for 16 apiece. And, and uh, you know, you got what you needed from Teague. Uh, you know, Vital, just one of those guys – that's being compared. I mean, they're talking about guys like Rodman and guys like Ben Wallace, you know, want, wants to do all the dirty work and, uh, you know, get in the, get the boards. And so, uh, I, and I thought Wisconsin was a live dog in this game. Okay. And, uh, there was a lot of people out there that were looking at that, that plus two forty on the money line, Tim, and we're taking serious looks at the Badgers. So, uh, I was kind of surprised at the, uh, at how, at how, at how, uh, the distance of the win, you know, I was surprised that uh, they won by 13. But uh, that being said, this this is a Bears team that can absolutely win the whole, win the whole thing. Okay, and and in that first half, you saw what they can do defensively, uh, and that was you know, and that was just right after Illinois bought out of the tournament. So uh, Illinois was my pick to win it. But now that uh, Baylor gets you know a nice comfortable win against uh, a fellow Big Ten team, uh, then. From the Illini in Wisconsin, I think that uh, that Baylor is uh, is looking real tough right about now. And they get this. Might, this is going to be my favorite game next Saturday. I can already tell you that they're going to get number five Villanova in the Sweet 16 matchup. And and Tommy harped on. I had asked Tom on Selection Sunday. You know, we were talking about how coaches um, and what they bring to the table for for their programs in the tournament, and how they coach, and and Jay Wright, obviously one of the best in the country, and has uh, numerous titles, right, Chris, to, to his resume. Yeah. And Tommy harped on the injury aspect, and he just didn't think that they were were good enough this year. Well, apparently, um, they heard what Tom said, and they're not happy about it. Winthrop put them out, which everybody bet on Winthrop in round one. They put them out and covered. And then today, North Texas, which was coming into this matchup on a little bit of a high after knocking Purdue out. Well, there was they were they were done early in this game because they got boat raced early and a 23-point win over North Texas. So Villanova-Baylor, Sweet 16. How about the, those Wildcats, Tim? Talk about threes raining down. You had Samuels ends up with 15. Robinson Earl at 18. They knocked down 15 threes. Tim against the mean green of North Texas, who everybody was hopping up, right? I mean, after because you saw all these double digit teams winning, so that you know it was just natural that uh, you know with this Villanova game. Oh yeah, North Texas, they're live as as they come, and Hamlet's going to just start you know just start just start draining buckets from all over the place. It was a uh, it was a pretty impressive performance from Villanova offensively, and uh, you mentioned this this is a this is a marquee matchup. You know, you're talking about a you know, a fifth seeded Wildcats team taking on a, you know, a team that, that could win the whole thing too also. And uh, look, Jay Wright, Jay Wright, no stranger. National championships, we're talking about 2016, 2018, not very far removed. Look, I'm not saying that, you know, Villanova is going to go win at all. I'm just saying that, you know, this is, it's, it's not, it's not like they haven't been here before. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty impressive win for Villanova given, you know, they got off to a nice start when, with North Texas. Uh, you know, they were up 21-13 in that game. 
So uh, Villanova had to tighten up their D a little bit, and uh, that's what teams do when you know you need to win games in the NCAA tournament, and uh, Villanova was able to do that. True definition of what we call March Madness and the Cinderella story has to sit with the 15th seeded Oral Roberts team. Again, they do it again, Chris. They do it money line. If you bet them money line, like like Tommy did, like you and I uh, either did or thought we should have, you know, they knock out number two Ohio State in round one. And then today they do it again. They put SEC stalwart Florida out 81 78. And guess what? They're dancing into the Sweet 16. Or Roberts, Chris, true definition of Cinderella story. Yeah, Kevin Obenauer, uh, talk, Obenauer talked about it after the game uh, for Oral Roberts. He's like, this is just mind-blowing that uh, we're able to, to get a win against a program the caliber of Florida Gators. Because Mike White, the head coach of Florida, I mean, they're already talking about him going to Tennessee. You know, I mean, this is, this is one of the up-and-coming up young, up young coaches. Uh, the Gators, uh, another one of those teams, right, Tim, that was kind of pegged to get upset in the first round and was able to, get, you know, able to get the win there. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, and then they faced, you know, the upstart Golden Eagles who, uh, you know, get 28 for Obenard. Uh, the, the kid, Abbas, I think his name was, goes for 26. And, uh, you know, it was just, look, they erased that 11-point deficit. And uh, this is a... Oral Roberts team that's won seven straight. And uh, they won the Summit League. And they obviously knocking out number two Ohio State in the first round kind of, you know, shatter a lot of people's brackets. So so, so what do you do? So you beat Ohio State, Tim, right? Then you knock off the number seven seeded Gators. What do you get? Eh, you just get a, a little team in uh, the number three seed Arkansas next weekend who, uh, you know, pulled the mild upset today. So, uh, you know, I'm sure – Eric Musselman is not too pleased that uh, he's going to be going up against a number 15 seed that uh, has absolutely nothing to lose going up this weekend against uh, his SEC team after uh, they already were just successful against another one. So uh, if this was football, Tim, this would be a pretty impressive, uh, you know, uh, three-game stretch for Oral Roberts if they have knocked off all three of these teams on the gridiron with uh, Ohio State, Florida, and uh, and Arkansas next week. So you said it. The Razorbacks, the three seed, will be the opponent for Oral Robertson. You looked at um, this matchup today. Names that were thrown around, that are maybe not necessarily attached. You know, Chris Beard was the coach here for an hour, and then Musselman's name was thrown around when he was at Reno. And um, you know, he's he obviously did did the job there. Went to three tournaments. Takes Arkansas. To a to a NCAA tournament in year number two there, and uh, weird weird way things work right in Vegas especially Chris. This was a three six matchup, but the six seed was the favorite in this game, and I actually had Arkansas straight. I liked this matchup for them, and I, I was uh, clenching my teeth there at the end because I thought they were going to blow it, but they they find a way to win and cover the game. So a six seed was favored over a three seed here in Vegas. Yeah, and uh, that was kind of that just goes to show you, right, Tim? That Vegas knows all. Yeah, yeah. Seeds be damned. Who cares? Because they're gonna they're gonna set it right as far as what is expected to happen in this game. So uh, I was uh, I was a little bit surprised on this one, even though I did have Arkansas on the money line. But uh, unfortunately, you know, personal story, I had it tied to the Vegas Golden Knights in that game. But uh, never mind that. Anyway, uh, the Razorbacks going back to the Sweet Sixteen for the first time. Since the 40 minutes of hell days, you know that's all about that, right, Tim? Back in 1995, i.e. Corliss Williamson, Scotty Thurman, you know, that team that ends up winning the national championship, great team. And uh, so people are actually starting to talk about basketball in Arkansas once again. Since back when Bill Clinton was in the White House, I'm sure Tommy, if he's listening, Loves that reference right there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Thomas, solid game. He ends up with 20. And uh, he had a huge defensive stop there at the end. I mean, just a massive defensive stop that uh, that helped Arkansas get that two-point victory. And uh, I mentioned, of course, Nolan Richardson was the head coach of that team back there in 1996. And, uh, I mean, look, Musselman is, uh, is another one of those guys, not to go back to the UNLV thing, but he would, I think he would have been a great coach here. At yeah. UNLV, but he, you know he, he is is to me he is a textbook uh, 
quintessential college coach right now. I mean, he's just, to me, I think that is a perfect situation for him. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you saw the post game celebration, the way this players feel about him is, uh, it's a, it's a cool thing to see after a tense finish like that, to see those guys come together after, uh, you know, Smith has that, that great play defending Kyler Edwards there behind the three point arc. So, uh, Razorbacks, they're live. I mean, they go, they move on to the Sweet 16 and, uh, and we, we, we shall see if uh, they're able to continue things. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a scenario, Tim, where, uh, and I felt this as, as, a, as a huge Michigan State Spartan fan, having a chance to face kind of an upstart team, a team that, that you didn't expect to make it to the Sweet 16, you know, or the Elite Eight. And you, you got to avoid the old, you know, well, I'm looking past them because they are fortunate to be here kind of thing, right? You know, you got you to avoid that. And so I think that uh, Eric Musselman, that'll be key on his mind is to make sure that his Razorback team doesn't fall into that trap of, you know, well, we're playing against a squad that, uh, you know, is kind of a Cinderella so we can kind of rest on our laurels. I I would expect that uh, he doesn't want anything like that to happen. So looking ahead to Saturday's games, Chris, let me get your initial thoughts against the spread here. Villanova, Baylor. Uh, opening line, so Baylor sits as a six-point favorite against the Wildcats. Wow, it's uh, it seems to me that that is a little bit long. I mean, I, I I would think it'd be around three and a half, four, if I was just you know right off the top of my head as I take a look at that matchup, and uh, I think that's just a little bit of lack of respect for uh, the dogs there. So I, I look, I think Baylor does prevail, but I'm telling you, I got a feeling Tim that's going to be sitting around right around four or five points that game and uh it's going to be kind of a you know a back and forth type of tussle and despite the fact that I think Baylor has superior talent I don't think that that can be argued but I but if I take a look at that game I'm not by any stretch of the imagination thinking it's going to be some type of Baylor 10 15 20 point win so I think it'll be a battle and I think that uh, the line may be a little bit long but what but uh yeah, we'll see how that shakes out Two teams we just talked about, Oral Roberts and Arkansas. The Razorbacks, Chris, 11-point favorite over Oral Roberts. Yeah, I don't really – look, uh, this this could be the end of a, of a sweet run here for Oral Roberts because I think, you know, just the combination of Tate and Davis and Moody along with Smith, I mean, it's just – it's uh, it's a very balanced team offensively, and I don't really know if Oral Roberts is, has the, uh, the the firepower to keep up with the likes of those guys. And uh, by the way, this was an Arkansas team that we were talking about playing as well as anybody in the SEC towards the end of the year. So, um, you know, as, as valiant, as valiant as the effort has been for uh, the, the folks from Tulsa, I think that uh, the celebration will be going on tonight and probably still going on tonight in Tulsa, but I don't think there's going to be too much to be uh, celebrating about come next weekend. Oregon State and Sister Jean. The loyal Chicago is a seven-point favorite in this basketball game. I think uh, maybe some value there with the Beavers. How can you go against them right now? Oh man, this is a, a Beaver squad that uh, that can bring it. I mean, you're talking about Thompson, who can light it up. Okay, Lucas is interesting because Lucas is kind of like a uh, uh, he's he's a guy that's got confidence, but I, don't, I mean, there's times where he just doesn't. He just disappears out there, you know, and it's not uh, and not exactly, you know, uh, is one of the, is on the forefront from an offensive standpoint for that team. But uh, if they can get contributions from from the likes of Kalu and uh, and uh, you know Alice Ashi and uh, and and even Silva, Silva had a he had a weird game because he ends he ends up getting seven, but he got twelve boards. So uh, if, if you can get him on the boards, I, I I absolutely think Oregon State is is my pick here. And uh, look, no disrespect to Loyola Chicago. And as we pointed out, so Oregon State scores 80 today. They're not scoring 80 against Loyola Chicago, Tim. You know, they're not doing that. So, but I still think they score like in the 60s. I think they're going to, I think this is one of those, I got a feeling, Tim, it's going to be one of those like 68, 58 games, something like that. And I'm taking the Beavers to move on. And Syracuse, Houston, the Cougars, six-point favorite over the Cuse. 
again, uh, this this line seems to be right on for me. I mean, it really does. Um, I just I have to. I mean, I take a look at Syracuse and, uh, and you know, and Dolazai and and obviously Bayheim. What do you have? Thirty in the first game of the tournament. Now you had you had twenty five tonight. Yeah, like that. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a team that's getting carried by those guys. Um, Syracuse, as I pointed out, many times they're a bubble team this year. Uh, they they got this kind of like uh, chip on their shoulder mentality almost, and uh, so they're heading to Jim Bayham's twentieth Sweet Sixteen, by the way, Tim. Uh, and a big part of that is because of his six foot six sweet shooting son, which is uh, kind of remarkable. Because they think about it, I mean, there's there's not really a lot of uh, players that thrive really in the tournament. There's not really stories like that. Many stories like that. Obviously, the one that comes to mind, obviously, is Bryce Drew and Homer Drew, right? When he played at Valpo, where you have a, a, a player playing for his dad, playing for his dad. I'm not saying like a player that's his dad's a coach. I'm saying he's actually playing for his dad, you know, on the team, and he's the focal point of the team. That, that's, that's what kind of is unique about the Syracuse team. So, uh, but again, I'm leaning, I'm telling you, Tim, I'm leaning towards Syracuse in this one. And it's it's not just because you know they've been dogs two straight games and they've come out on top. It's because I just I just think that uh, this is a this is a textbook scenario of a team that's rolling right along and is just gaining confidence by the game. And offensively, when you've got you know uh, a lot of versatility, and uh, they also had four guys that were double figures in this game today, in, in uh, Guerrero and also Gerard the third and, uh, who had. Solid game, also. Uh, I'm taking the orange in this one. I am going with the dogs. All right. Arch Madness opening weekend continues tomorrow. Yes, there are games Monday. When we come back from the timeout, we'll look at the eight matchups that will help us get to the final side of that you know, left bracket and moving into the Sweet 16. We'll get Chris, you'll get Chris and I's thoughts on those games tomorrow and what time those are going early in the morning, including. Uh, the number one overall team in the country, Gonzaga, early early matchup. We'll break that game down next for you here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Bro. along at home we're gonna start on the left side of the bracket and go game by game getting you to our final eight teams into the sweet 16 and it'll be officially the end of weekend one of march madness 2021 tim ungles being chris win with you here on heatwave sports every saturday and sunday night at 10 o'clock right here on fox sports radio las vegas so here we go chris Opening matchup, 11.40 a.m. game over on CBS. Get to wake up and have breakfast with a, a nice one here. Number one, Gonzaga against number eight. Here's the UNLV tie-in again. Lon Kruger back in the tournament with the Sooners. One versus eight is the matchup. Gonzaga and Oklahoma and Chris Gonzaga, 14-point favorite in this game. You got a matchup of uh, two teams, one in the Sooners who – you know, was in a in a tough battle against a in an eight nine game, obviously against Missouri in their first round game. But on the other side of things, the Zags just flat out boat raced Norfolk State by what forty three forty three points in that matchup, and uh, obviously puts them five wins away from becoming the first undefeated national champion since Indiana back in the seventy five seventy six season when Tim Unglesby was just but a young buck. Back then, <laughs> but uh, Mark Few's kind of getting uh, the the treatment of uh, some of his colleagues have gotten, i.e., Mike Shashevsky, of course, you know John Calipari, you know having being the head coach of a team that has the possibility of making history. Tim and uh, look, he's just kind of getting tired with the repeated questions about it, as you can imagine, right? Because this is a squad that just hasn't lost a game, and when you don't have a loss. You know, the speculation comes in, the media is speculating, the fans are speculating, and uh, they're just wondering, you know, are, are you focused? And uh, look, the, Mark Few has said, you know, as the season progressed, you know, we've, we've been able to stay number one, but uh, it's really been more about what's coming down the pipe, 
right? It's the next game. That's what matters. And that's kind of been their focus. And as long as this, this group's able to do that, and uh, he keeps talking about how competitive they are and how they, they understand they are laser-focused on the task ahead, then I think they'll be just fine. I mean, you got Anton Watson, you know, who goes 7-7 seven seven in that game against Norfolk Stake. I mean, he's the guy was just the guy was just money, and uh, you have Kispert who had I think he made six threes in that game, and has been going for twenty three, and so uh, you know th- I mean this is a Gonzaga team that you know, that has been consistently just blasting people. Obviously, all of us we feel like we got kind of robbed back in the regular season because we thought we were going to see Gonzaga take on Baylor, and that was going to be re- like a real true test for Gonzaga moving forward. And you know in the regular season we didn't get a chance to see that obviously because of the COVID-19 stuff. But, uh, you know, this, this should be a solid solid game. I, I, I think it's going to be uh, competitive, uh, despite the fact that uh, right now you see it sitting at that, that, that pretty big number. Um, I think this. I think Oklahoma keeps us close. I really do. I mean, I look, I'm not by any stretch going to be looking at the money line at plus 800 on Oklahoma. But I think that, you know, Gonzaga gets the win here, but I think it's going to be one of those rarities here in 2021, Tim, where they win by single digits, and I think it's like an eight-point, nine-point win, and the Bulldogs move on. When we did our our March Madness selection show, we we picked who we thought were going to win, and, and uh, Tommy took Illinois, and I had <clears throat> Illinois going to the final against Gonzaga. And you know, Chris, what I said was, in in a in a year that everybody knows is the worst one of our lives, right? That wouldn't it be? perfect and the oral roberts right now is dominating the story but wouldn't the cinderella truly be for a gonzaga to just run the table on the complete season and finish this off and the way they looked in game one it, like you said laser focused almost putting a bill up on the scoreboard yes i think i think they cover tomorrow and really when i'm looking throughout this this landscape of what could happen and looking for a potential pitfall for the Bulldogs, it may be it may be Iowa in an elite, in a elite eight situation, but if they can get through that, I mean we're we're going to get a Baylor Gonzaga matchup is how I feel. Don't you get the feel though, Tim, that that a lot of America is rooting for Gonzaga because oh, yeah. they they have this element to them where they, you know they've been on the doorstep so many times, almost almost the same thing as as Butler, right? A, a few years back when. You know, when Butler was like right there, but they were going up against Blue Bloods in the Final Four, you know, and Gonzaga's kind of been that West Coast team. They've been to Final Fours. Obviously, when they had Adam Morrison there, they were on the doorstep, but they were never able to get over the hump. And so, like, this team feels like, you know, because because of how talented they are, uh, it doesn't really have the same feel as, as former Gonzaga teams because they have guys who are going to be, you know, top five NBA draft picks and they have, you know, they have, they're on par talent wise with the Dukies and the UNLVs from 1990. You, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're, they have that kind of roster. That's not really what they used to have at Gonzaga, but it's still a viewed from a national standpoint as a program that, you know, it would be a feel good story. As you pointed out, if they were to win a national championship and it, it would, but it'd be the, uh, it'd be, it'd be the cherry on top of the Sunday if they were to finish undefeated which obviously they would do if they won the national championship. So uh, I, I think there is a, a, a huge portion of college basketball fandom out there that would love to see them pull this off. They would play the – they being either Gonzaga or Oklahoma would play the winner of number five, Creighton, number 13, Ohio. So, Chris, Creighton survives UC Santa Barbara, and they, by the skin of their teeth, get through, whereas Ohio – Pulls a 4-13 upset over a, a very uh, poor situation for Virginia to be in with the COVID process and really not being able to practice or even be in the facility up until it was really less than 24 hours, and they get knocked off late. So a 5-13, we got Creighton, we got Ohio. Your thoughts on this game? And the Blue Jays are a five-point favorite over Ohio. Yeah, you want to talk about the Blue Jays needing two clutch free throws to escape, Tim, to escape the Gauchos, 63-62. And Tommy and I were talking about this yesterday, Tim. Uh, we're talking about a blown layup, okay? You see Santa Barbara had that game. If that, I mean, if that kid makes a layup, come on. I mean, the, the, the game, they, they, they win that game. So Creighton is, on, is uh, playing with house money right now as far as being still in the tournament. 
when it comes to Ohio, Jason Preston. Jason Preston's the name, man. Now, this kid, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's really something. And uh, asked what message B Virginia sent to Creighton. And Preston said, we're going to compete. No matter who we're playing, we're going to compete every single possession. And we're going to bring great energy and we're going to have fun. And so, you know, you'd love to see that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of enthusiasm out of a kid. And, uh, you know, look, this is a uh, Bobcat team that, you know, had that, what, 16-2 to run. And uh, against Virginia, when when the uh, Cavaliers were up by seven, I think it was, and so you got you got Ben Vanderplas, you know, scoring, uh, you know, eight points in that spur. He ends up with seventeen. I, I mentioned Preston, of course, with uh, you know the near triple double, and then Robert chipped in with fifteen too. So uh, the Bobcats again. I, wow. I mean, I really want to say that Ohio keeps going. I really do. I really do, Tim. I think I think that the Bobcats. Uh, pull kind of a shocker, even though it, look the line's only uh, it, it, it's not it's not a huge line. We're, we're talking about five and a half here, but uh, and so I'm I'm going to take a look at the money line. I'm going to take a look at the money line at plus one ninety on Ohio here, and I think that uh, the Cinderella out of the MAC uh, continues to uh, to roll on here, and we got uh, you know a number thirteen seed headed to the Elite Eight. Uh, Elite Eight. These uh, next two matchups came true to form if you have a bracket and you're going by highest seeded teams number three kansas a winner over eastern washington in round one they'll take on number six usc who's coming in over drake 72 56 sc kansas the three six matchup kansas what opened as a pick em. chris this game has moved now usc a slight favorite at minus one yeah coming back off the, the COVID 19 protocol also you know the, the expectations weren't really that great uh, for for guys like David McCormick at Kansas, right, to to uh, you know to even play in the NCAA tournament, so uh, they didn't have him in the start in that first round win, of course, over Eastern Washington, and he ends up with like like I think he had two points in the first half, and so uh, so so when Bill South was asked about that, Bill South was talking about the game. He's like, yeah, I think he's just going to end up being a guy who just gets a couple of fouls out there for us. That's it. Doesn't really do much for us, and. Uh, that wasn't really the case. Obviously, second half, he went out there and just killed it. Ends up going uh, for a team high 22 and nine boards. And uh, so that got the Jayhawks into this matchup against USC. Uh, look, Evan Mobley, unbelievable player. You're talking about Pac-12 player of the year. The guy's got you know 11 double-doubles, and he continued that with 17-11 uh, against Drake as USC you know ends up getting the win there by 16. Uh you're talking about a you know presumptive NBA lottery pick here, and you got his brother. Okay, you got uh, Evan's brother Isaiah who had, had 15 points and ends up shooting six or seven from the field. So uh, this is a this is a couple of two teams that are playing pretty well right now, and uh, that's evident by the line. Okay, I mean you're looking at the line and it's pretty big. I mean let's be straight about it. It's basically a pick 'em, right? And uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to lean towards USC. I think I'm going to lean towards USC. I just think that uh, this is one of those cases, and Tommy and I talked about this yesterday, when you've got the best player on the floor between the two teams, then uh, you should probably give the edge to that team, and that is exactly the situation here with Southern California against Kansas. And the winner of that matchup will play the winner of 2-7. Iowa, Luca Garza, unbelievable player. Best You talk about best player on the floor, Luca Garza against an Oregon team, which had a walkover in the first round, Chris, due to the COVID situation. So they don't even play a first-round game. They move right into a second-round matchup. So they've been off the court as far as a, a com competitive basketball situation now for a while. 2-7, Luke Garza, best player on the court, and Iowa, five-point favorite in this game. Yeah, we've got uh, Iowa coming off that win over, over Grand Canyon, obviously, where Luke Garza goes for 24 and uh, and this is a team that shot the lights out. Another team that shot the lights out from three, Tim, as they made ten threes. And uh, you know, of course, we all we understand the situation that happened with Oregon and how they were able to get here. We Tommy and I were kind of struggling with how this impacts a team, and I, I kind of want to get your take on this, Tim. Do you think this is a positive or a negative that the Ducks basically get a buy 
into the second round of the NCAA tournament because of what went down as far as COVID-19 protocols, you know, the local health officials, whatever, and uh, declaring a no contest. Because, I mean, and my, me and Tommy, I think, basically agreed. We thought that this is something that could be that uh, that could be a negative as far as Oregon because you're not, uh, you know, in the same type of mindset. You're not in the same type of, uh, of schedule, I guess, is the way to put it. As uh, as other teams in the tournament, because you're just kind of everything got thrown kind of out of whack. Yet you're not the team going home; you're the team that still has to play, and it can't be easy when you're going up against one of the top two teams that are the, the only two teams, right, that are left as far as the Big Ten's concerned in Iowa and Michigan, and a Hawkeye squad that can flat out light it up. Move down into the next bracket. And we'll look at the number one seeded Michigan Wolverines. They take on the eight seed LSU, who put a spanking on St. Bonnie's yesterday. A nice, nice game there by LSU. So an intriguing matchup here. Uh, number one seed Michigan, only a five-point favorite. Yeah, they are. And look, and Juwan Howard is pretty happy with what he saw from Steam on Saturday. Obviously, the question coming into the tournament was, what is this Michigan team going to do? without livers, right, Tim? I mean, that, yeah. that, is, that was the, the burning question, okay? Look, they're the number one seed in the East. You know, they, uh, you know the Wolverines they lost three of their last five games heading into the tournament, including, uh, you know, a close game against Ohio State, the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. Uh, but they had no problem with Texas Southern. Uh, Texas Southern, you know, basically shot 30, what, 36% and had one, they made one three the entire game. And then Michigan goes out there and shoots almost 50% and has, has a ton of assists uh, on a bunch of field goals, obviously. So they're playing pretty well. Uh, Dickinson, you know, end up following out, but he had a decent game. And he had Smith's backcourt partner, Brooks, who had a, a good game too. The question's going to remain, though. Okay, I mean, this do, do the tests get tough here? Okay, is this when things start to – uh, you know, come into question as far as Michigan and whether or not they can execute at their highest levels without livers there. And I think LSU is going to give them all kinds of issues. Okay. Uh, LSU's, you know, they look, they lost the SEC tournament final to Alabama by a point. Okay. And they just, uh, they just destroyed St. Bonaventure when you get, you know, Cameron Thomas has ends up with, uh, with 27 and shoots 11 from 13 uh, from the free throw line. That's solid. OK, uh, you got days, you got Hyatt, you got Watford uh, and all these guys are getting double doubles. You know, LSU is huge. So uh, this is not going to be an easy one for Michigan. I look at this line and it's really tough, man. I mean, this is to me, this is the toughest line because I want to think that Michigan could cover this. But I'm, I, I think I'm going to lean LSU. I think I'm going to take LSU. They're not going to win the game, I don't think. But I think they lose in like a what, three, four point game. I think it's one of those type of deals because, uh, you know, because LSU can just can rebound. They can flat out rebound. And uh, that was on display against St. Bonaventure where they, you know, uh, they, they out-rebounded St. Bonaventure by 19 rebounds in that game. So uh, I have every expectation that LSU is going to hang in the game with Michigan, and but I still think that Wolverines end up moving on. And then it becomes a real question as to whether or not uh, the Wolverines can continue to play at this level given they don't have one of their key players. All right, Chris, three games to go. We got a little bit of limited time, so let's, let's move through them yep. here. Mm -hmm. four, four, five, Florida State, Colorado, the Seminoles, one-point favorite over Colorado. Yes, Florida State, a, you know, one of the sexy picks, of course, out of the ACC, which had a down year, all right, and, you know, the uh, Florida State just, you know, basically uh, they had a battle to get by uh, North Carolina, Carolina Greensboro, while Colorado just had just an easy win over Georgetown. I thought that Georgetown game was going to be close, Tim, i got to admit. I, I mean, I, I mean, after seeing what, what the Hoyas been able to do with, with Ewing and, and company, I thought they were going to be uh, much more formidable against Colorado. But right now, you, you take a look at this matchup and, uh, and seeing the way that Colorado's played and McKinley Wright the fourth and, uh, you know, showcasing his skills in that win over Jabari Walker. Um, uh, the Buffaloes are going to be tough, but I still I, I do lean Florida State. I lean Florida State in this game. 
because I think Florida State's got national championship aspirations still, even though everyone thinks the ACC, and rightfully so, is having a down year. Yeah, I like Florida State in this game as well. But I think that storybook uh, run, possibly depending on the Michigan House, how they come out of this game, I mean, really, you're lining themselves up for a potential Final Four run. I agree with you there. 11-14. How about this? 11, another one. There. Who has this in their racket? 11-14, UCLA, Abilene Christian, Chris, and it's a Bruins, a five-point favorite in this game. Yeah, Cinderella's still very much alive, and this is the Cinderella tournament, isn't it, Tim? I mean, come on. It's Abilene Christian's got to be considered. Look, all due respect to you know, Oral Roberts, but uh, Abilene Christian, you know, 14 seed. They go up against, a, you know, look, a, subtle, a suddenly surging, Tim, UCLA. Yep. Obviously, you know my my uh, loyalties towards my Michigan State Spartans. I had the Spartans just handling UCLA. They end up they were winning that game by thirteen. Looked like they were going to win that game by twenty, and then the second half came around and everything was all different. And UCLA was able to just uh, you know basically uh, kind of flip the script there. And uh, you know, Abilene Christian obviously advancing to play UCLA after that uh, stunning win over Texas and, you know, and one of those games that was 53 to 52 where nobody can make a shot. And I think I want to say Abilene Christian's top two players at 11 points each, Tim, 11 points. Okay. Pleasant. And uh, the other kid, uh, Mason, I think his name was. So he, you know, look, they won five straight games. They won the Southland uh, conference tournament, but it, uh, it comes to an, it comes to an end here. UCLA continues to roll. The team that had to play in the play-in game. You had two teams that have multiple national championships on their resume, Tim, playing in the play-in game, and one of them is going to advance to the Elite Eight, and that's UCLA. And this last one, of course, I have vested interest in this one, Chris. The night game. Number 10 seed Maryland, number 2 seed Alabama. Nate Oates versus Mark Turgeon. And this is going to be a fun game to watch. I'm going to be on the edge of the couch Hoping and praying my Terps can find a way to come through into the Sweet 16. It's going to be a tough matchup, though. In this game, we've seen the money change um, or go up. It's open three and a half. It's now five and a half. So people love Bama tomorrow. But I'm, you know, I know my team. I think if we keep it close and they play defense like they did against UConn early, we're going to hit the free throws down the stretch. If we keep it close, I think they can pull it out. But it's going to be a tough one for the Terps. Nate Oates going up against Church. I'm telling you, Alabama's only tripped the Sweet 16 since 1991, Tim. And that was as, as an eight seed. Uh, or excuse me. No, they, they were back in the Sweet 16 back in 04, but they're an eight seed. But, but uh, you know, this is, a, this is an Alabama team that can score, okay? Uh, Jones had 20 in that game. Petty didn't have a – Petty was off. Petty shot, I think, three for 13 and ended up with 10. Uh, but the but the Crimson Tide shot over fifty percent in the second half, and uh, they end up surviving despite just making five threes in that game. They got to rectify that, okay? Uh, Alabama's got to rectify that. But uh, look, you're going you're talking about uh, you know a team that will face Maryland, which is coming off an. I mean, that showing defensively, Tim, for the Terrapins in that first round game was solid. I mean, that was a extremely impressive performance. Uh, they ended the tournament. But, I mean, this is a ter- Terrapins team that was what six and three in their nine, in the previous nine games entering the tournament, and uh, you know they get they get the win over UConn. By the way, I was on UConn in that game, and I was sorely disappointed. UConn couldn't make anything to save their lives, and it wasn't. I mean, it, it, yes, it was a lot because of the Terps defense, but it was also UConn. Just I mean, some bad shots, and it was just. Uh, it, it, but but hey, it's been par for the course, right, Tim? I mean, you're talking about the eleventh time this season that the Turks would held the team under 60 points. So uh, I think it's, they're going to try to muck it up a little bit. But uh, got to be honest, Tim, I, I, I think the Crimson Tide are able to cover that five and a half. And so I'm leaning on Alabama to move on in the football school to be in uh, the ultimate football school to be in the uh, Elite Eight. What's the plans tomorrow, Chris? When are you going to be to watch these games? I'm going to be lounging at the pad. We're going to have the pool. The, the pool is officially open, Tim, even though it's still <laughs> – it could be chilly at times. It's uh, we're rolling right around to uh, early spring here, and uh, you and I know we're both baseball guys. So you know, with the major league baseball season just around the corner, it's uh, getting more and more like pool time. So I'm going to be probably lounging out by the pool. I'm going to be uh, pop maybe maybe firing back a couple of pina coladas and uh, and watching some college basketball. So I'm looking forward to it. And of course, uh, sandwiched in between that 
will be the uh, press conference as far as uh, UNLV and see exactly uh, what direction this program goes, Tim, because it's going to be uh, intriguing, to say the least, to see exactly what transpires. 100% agree, and I know we'll be we'll be chatting it up over via the text message all day tomorrow and tomorrow night, but let everybody know where they can find you social media-wise. Yeah, social media-wise, you can find me at Christian Wynn on Twitter, and uh, also you can find me on uh, Instagram at uh, cwin 77 i got a lot of pictures up there and a lot of videos that I post when I'm out and about doing a, a lot of sports-related stuff around town. And, of course, on Facebook at Christian William Wynn, always picking up friends, always looking to engage on everything, from sports to politics to entertainment across the board. A lot of fun, Tim. Always a pleasure to have you on, my, my friend. You are awesome. You are truly a professional, and they don't call you the radio personality for anything. You're the only guy I know that's on seven different shows across the whole dial. Hey, it's fun. It's all fun. And, and Tim, I appreciate all the, the kind words and uh, always love jumping on with yourself and Damon and Tommy on a regular basis as uh, Heatway Sports. You get it, we get it going. We get it started, right? On the weekend, you get the, the hot stories that uh, we're, we're able to be the first ones to actually talk about it, right? You got it, man. Appreciate it again. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll chat it up tomorrow, my man. Yes, sir. Be well. Chris, Chris Wynn, radio personality and, of course, member of the Heat Wave Sports family. For the absent Tommy Barton, for C-Win, for DeMond Cotton, I'm Tim Unglesby. Have a great, great Monday as we got eight games tomorrow leading into this weekend, and we'll talk to you again Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Heat Wave Sports only on Fox Sports Radio. Good night. <laughs>